speaking of our method, you know, when you grabbed your glasses, uh, unfortunately, Jason's not here to make He's some joke. He, he, you know normally, he would make a joke. We're not gonna we're not gonna shed any tears because Jason's <laughs> not here, right? You're not gonna cry. No. Hey guys, you know I've been trying to locate a machine monitoring system that is easy to install with minimal onboarding, right? I have to tell you, Amper Technologies reached out to me. Akshat, their founder, has been on the show before. He sent me two units to install on my CNCs under their 30-day pilot program. It's been nothing but easy peasy. Ryan snapped them on. We waited a few days to validate and collect the data, and away we go. Check them out at amper.xyz and look under products for their pilot program. Bam. Welcome to Making Chips. We believe that manufacturing is challenging, but if you are connected to a community of leaders, you can elevate your skills, solve your problems, and grow your business. I'm your host, Nick Golner, and today I'm joined by my co-host, the very methodical Jim Carr. I guess that's a thank you. You say methodical, I say OCD. Do you, do you consider, when you think methodical, do you consider yourself yeah, methodical? I, yeah, I do. But I do think about, let's read the definition and I'll answer your question I, I for put you. it in here in okay. your notes for you. Done according to a systematic or established form of procedure. Yes, totally. And here, here of a person, yeah. orderly or systematic in thought or behavior. Yeah. Yes. Methodical is a sexy way to call what I am OCD. Sure. So yeah, that's what, that's what I and, am. And I'm speaking of, speaking of our method, you know, when you grabbed your glasses, unfortunately, Jason's not here to make He's some not. joke. He, he, you know what? Normally he would make a joke. We're not going to shed any tears because Jason's <laughs> not here, right? You're not going to cry. No. All right. Well, so why are we talking about methods? Why? Are, because I'm methodical. We're because you're methodical. Yeah, yeah. Maybe our guest has something to do with methods a little bit. Yeah. So, But before we get into the guest, let's start with a positive kickoff, some manufacturing news. Your situation is unique right now because you're in the last days of the car machine that you grew up in. It's going to be a little bittersweet. I got to be honest with you. July 17th wow. is the formal day that the Ray Sagan and Sons is a very well-known uh, machine tool movers is coming over to our Jarvis Avenue facility and moving us two blocks north and one block west. What's but the difference in square footage? Three times. Wow. Three times. Wow. So it's beautiful. It's going to truly be an aerospace facility, and I'm super, super excited about all of it. It's time. I've been there for a long, very, very long time. We need the space. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. I, you got this like hype video of you standing in your new facility, just looking around like, yeah, yeah wow. With a big smile on my yeah, face. Yeah. I saw it on LinkedIn. I was like, you know, the only machine shop owner I know who would put a hype video about moving to a new building yeah. is Jim Carr. I like, I like creating a little bit of buzz and that's what it's all about, right? Yeah, I'm at the end of the day, I'm a manufacturing guy, but I'm also a marketing guy. Yeah, oh yeah. You're the rock star. Yeah. Thank you. The I lead singer that. of the boy band. <laughs> <laughs> I could I could probably do that, actually. You know, I always wanted to be a rock star, right? I know. Yeah. I, I, or an agent for an agent for a musician. Like I'd I'd love to be behind the scenes elevating that that person. It's kind of sure. what we do to our guests. It's kind of what we do to our so guests. In a way, you're both. All right. You talked about buzz. There's a big buzz in the industry right now. Oh, I know. I know what um, you're going to talk I about. I don't know what's going on with your supply chain, but mine is in turmoil. I, I heard my dad last elaborate. night say, my dad, you know, he's been on the show a bunch of times. Dietmar. Dietmar yeah. Golner. Yeah. Yes. CEO, he's a good guy. Been in this industry his whole life. Yep. 
He said in his entire career, he's never seen a supply chain disruption that's like this. It's crazy. I I say to my employees, I've never seen things so busy and so good ever. Yeah. And I've been in the industry for 40 years. I don't know why, you know, maybe it's because a lot of reasons, but deliveries, prices are going through the roof. You can't get stuff. You can't get steel. You can't get aluminum. I hear the red metals, copper and brass, or you got to really wait forever wood, to get that. To, to even create stuff up, wood is through the roof. I heard, yes. Our, our cost. 300% more, I heard. Yeah. So that's the manufacturing news. It's related to that. It's I so, will read the article. It's from Industry Week. The title is, Steel Giants Boost U.S. Prices Again in Bet on Resilient Demand. So New Corp, the largest U.S. steelmaker, raised prices for a fifth time since wow. late October adding to signs of a rebound in the industry as the world's top producer, Metal and Russia's NLMK also announced increases. What the, does NLMK it's mean? It's a huge Russian steel producer. Oh, okay. Corporation. Thank you. The cost for new orders of hot rolled, cold rolled, and galvanized sheet will increase by at least $40 a short ton. You know, I don't know what a short ton costs I don't either. right now, but effective immediately, Nucor said in a letter to its clients Wednesday Arcelor and NLMK lifted U.S. prices on some products by the same amount, with NLMK telling customers the boost was, here you go, as far as reasons, due to extending lead times and strong order placement. Yep, exactly. People can't get enough. A phase one trade deal between the U.S. and China in December also makes long-term prospects for steel using industry brighter. That's good. That's from an economist named David Owen. Yeah. Luxembourg-based Arcelor told clients Wednesday that prices of all new orders of flat steel products will increase by at least $40 a ton, effective immediately. NLMK said base prices of all products would be hiked by at least $40 a ton for all new spot orders, effective immediately. The last time prices of the metal have risen this fast was after steel tariffs were imposed by President Donald Trump in March 2018, hmm. with no formal announcements made by steel mills. No end in sight in terms of our price no, increase. No, but I hear people are hoarding it too. Yeah, and I think it's a good thing kind of long-term that we're starting to produce more steel here. I mean, that's what they say. It's, well, it's resilient demand. That's good. It's a good thing. I think it's a problem that's going not going to go away anytime soon. And it's hard to go raise your prices, try to keep your margins safe. You know, there's a very long supply chain and everyone has to share in this big conundrum we're in. So. I know. It's a challenge. I'd much rather be working in an environment like this than, you know, having to lay people off. And- it, well, like, what was our conversations like uh, during the pandemic? It was like, man, you know, I haven't seen anything like this. To me, I didn't feel like we were in a recession. I just you felt you like guys were growing. It was impressive. We, were, we had a pretty good year in 2020. It was just a weird year. Yeah. And, and I remember telling my mother about in like May, she was in a nursing home or in a facility. And I said, mom, it's so weird. I said, it feels like I'm living in an episode of the twilight zone. Yeah. You know, everyone's wearing masks. You can't get too close to people. It was just weird. Yeah, it was. And thank God everything's lifted and we are done. Yeah. It's so, starting to open up and and I travel a lot. So I'm all over the US and everyone's busy, which is everyone's great. busy. Everyone's busy in, in all industries. So speaking of busy, will you introduce our guest? He's one of the busier people that I know. Absolutely. Well, it was great talking with him. Prior to um, getting the record button on. Yeah, hitting the record button. <laughs> I, I like to do that a little bit because I'd never met this gentleman before. and We he, have uh, forgotten to hit the record button before. We have done. We've forgotten to do that. Yes, absolutely. Our guest has been involved with designing, running, and programming machine tools 
and manufacturing processes for nearly two decades. He was hired at Methods Machine Tool in 2011, serving as a sales support engineer, technical support manager, and then operations manager. In early 2020, he became the product manager for the Methods Machining Center product line, where he oversees the design, sales, support, and integration of the machine tools in the MMT product line. Before joining Methods, he worked at Saliga Machine, a Hudson, Massachusetts-based job shop, as well as Integrity Molded Machine, a Gardner, Massachusetts-based injection mold design company. He describes himself as a jack-of-all-trades and a master of none. When Nick's not crafting next-generation machine tools, he's bow hunting, woodworking, and tackling projects around his 200-year-old farmhouse and property. At home, he lives with his wife, his 14-year-old son, and a mix of livestock. He is based out of the corporate headquarters of Methods Machine Tool, Inc. in Sudbury, Massachusetts. Nick, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me, guys. It's a great talking with you. It's good to meet you, finally. I've never met a St. Cyr before. I've met a lot of Nicks. I think it's a great name. Well, yeah. St. Cyr, is that French? What is that? Yeah, it's uh, French. My wife likes to tell me it's French-Canadian, but it's actually very French. And my son's name is Nick, too. So that go. just goes to show you the amount of creativity we have. <laughs> but, uh, but no, it, it's a very French name, and um, a lot of my family is Canada, I, I should say that. Oh, so French-Canadian. Yeah, technically we are. But how did you end up in Boston? How does anybody end up where they end up? That's true. Yeah, we always start with an origin story. So like <laughs> from birth, go. A lot of my family's in central Massachusetts. So we're very, very fortunate to be all around each other. We actually just celebrated my grandmother's 100th birthday. Wow, that's awesome. Congrats. Man. There's a ton of us there and literally like 10 people weren't from Massachusetts. So it's very, very interesting to see how close everybody still lives together. My family's from that area, and my grandfather owned a uh, tool and die shop. I remember going there and walking in and, and seeing the shop and smelling the smells and, and seeing the dial on his desk that said, fire somebody or do oh, this. And it was, it was great. It's such a great experience <laughs> yeah. you know, growing up and seeing that and going there for lunch and whatnot. Went through normal growth and exploring of different careers and settled on going back to a machine shop. I worked in my uncle's shop, which was Integrity Tool and Die. I love it. I absolutely love it. The smells, like I said, you walk into the shop, the chips, the, the cutting. Yeah, you know the smell. It. You know the smell. For you sure. love My it. wife knows to the smell it. too. She's oh, not yeah. happy about it. No, very, you know, it's stuck in the bottom of your shoes. But yeah. yeah. Well, she I says it's it. in my car. Every time she gets in my car, she goes, ooh, this smells. And I don't know where it's coming from, but yeah, it's coming from somewhere. So how'd you make the leap? I think you said 2011, you went yep. to Methods. Like, how'd you yeah. transition from your uncle's shop to... Uh, well, honestly, it's, it's a kind of an interesting story because when I worked in my uncle's shop, that's where I technically met Methods. One of the first shops to do a massive integration of three different types of CNC machines, a wire, a sinker, and a uh, Fanuc RoboDrill. We were using it to cut electrodes and cut blanks for cores and cavities. And my uncle's like, listen, we got to keep the shop small. And I was the guy, just because I was his nephew, I got no favoritism. I'm talking like people would come in to the cafeteria eating my lunch like in front of me. Yeah. And I was a guy cutting graphite with, you know, an old pair of goggles and a mask. Yeah. And like reverse nepotism. Oh, it was, it was unbelievable. Yeah. So we wanted to grow the shop, but not necessarily add bodies. A very talented group of guys. We had bought machines from methods before and he reached out to him and said, Hey, here's literally an idea I have on a napkin. I want this robot 
a robot, didn't know what a FANUC robot was. He says, I want a robot to run these three machines and one person to program. And what year was that? Early 2000s. Okay. Early to mid 2000s. So robotic technology was there. Yes, it was. It was just wasn't in a place like it is today. Yeah, definitely not as commonplace. Okay. Okay. So that's really where it started, right? He went to methods and said, here's my idea. And they said, we've done something like that, but never three different machines. And they did. And that's where I met a lot of the different people. And I moved on from there. But I distinctly remembered all the people I met for methods. I went to another shop. I was working at a prototype shop. And the prototype shop consisted of me drilling and tapping a hole in a lifting block for an engine housing, like a a turbine. So not exactly exciting. And I was just looking for a job. And I kept telling the guys there, I'm like, look, you got to give me something different. You want to run a press break? Not really, but I will. So doing different things, looking on my phone, I see methods is looking for somebody to work in the sales engineering department, sales support. And I'd also done a couple of years in the automotive industry where I did finance. So here I am with some experience in a, a tool and die shop and a machine shop and a background in finance. And I've always loved cars. And I'm like, well, how am I ever going to get a job? And literally here's the job listing that says methods machine is looking for somebody with manufacturing and finance background. I was like, like yeah, winner, winner, right? <laughs> right. So I'm your guys, right? Everybody wants to go into it with some kind of confidence. Is that how you sold it? No, I, oh. I, I think I was too young and naive to think that that was, you know, in my head, I'm telling myself this, but right. I'm walking into it going, man, this would be a great opportunity, but who needs this and that? Maybe they just typed it up and didn't know what they were putting in there, <laughs> but that was actually exactly what they were looking for. My sure. boss who still works there, who just celebrated his 39th anniversary at methods. So I walked in there and I saw somebody that I hadn't seen in six, seven years he recognized me. And then I look around and there's more people that are still there. I'm like, wow, this is the company you want to work for. So I got hired and um, started in the sales support group, helping the outside salespeople, processing orders. One of my first orders was literally in the hundreds for Fanuc Robo Drills from Ruger in Arizona. So that was like trial by fire. Hey, figure this out. Don't screw it up. You should be just fine. If not, I'm over here kind of thing. So that's where it started. And, um, Turns out they really did need somebody with a finance background and an understanding of uh, machine tools. So worked out pretty well. And now you're the product manager. So in a nutshell, what does a product manager do? Somebody that oversees a product line. That basically means let's take your product line from birth to death. And it's developing new products. It's phasing out new products. It's making sure we have the latest and greatest of the technology. It's making sure that our machine tools of that line fit that product or that market segment to make sure that our customers have what they need. Methods is kind of unique. We are a sole importer for a number of different machine tools. It is kind of unique and it can be kind of confusing to understand how it all works because you have your own machine, the Methods machine, and then you've got all these other brands. So kind of break that down for us. Methods has been around for 60 plus years now and truly a family owned company, right? Father and son, and it's still family owned today, private company. And what we do is we import from different CNC machine tool builders from Japan and Taiwan. So FANUC RoboDrill, Kiwa, Horizontals, OKK Vertical and Horizontals, Nakamura Multitasking Lathes, Yazda, high-end machine. Everybody's heard of Yazda. It's the mother of all machines. And between the RoboDrills and effectively the Kiwas and the OKKs and the Lathes, we had a big hole. So we went back to one of our long-term partners, Litz High Tech out of Taiwan and said, hey, you guys are basically the best at what you do in your field. Let's talk about building our own machine line. We'd been working with them on a few other machines for a while. And we went back to them and said, we want to take your machines 
and kind of adjust the specification to methods. So we did, we worked on that for a couple of years and about two and a half years ago now, we introduced the methods brand of CNC machines. I really did not know that methods had a labeling their own private label of their own CNC machine tool. When did that happen? 2018. Oh, so it's still pretty new. Yeah. It's the best kept secret, but if you think about it, that's the worst possible secret to keep. Yeah. We're really developing it and making sure that we're getting it out there. I like the idea in the business world of disruptive innovation. So if you look at the commodity market, everybody kind of knows what you're going to get for a machine. Your expectations are only so high. So we looked at that and said, okay, we want to be able to offer our customers growth from say a Fanuc RoboDrill all the way up from there. So we want a product that fits our standard because we import the best of the best. Gazda, OKK, Nakamura, they're literally the best of the best. And we wanted to complement that and help somebody grow through it. You're not trying to niche down and sell to a specific customer, a target base. You're horizontal more than vertical, right? Yeah, absolutely. So you can help the entry-level CNC buyer, but yet as they progress and evolve their company and move up the ladder, Mm -hmm. you have a machine tool to match the sophistication of the company. It's almost like every brand has kind of a different segment, a different niche. Yep. So like... I want to get into your shop, Jim, yeah. like describe kind of the progression of like what your machines were like to what they are like. And then it'd be great if you could share, you know, I think most, most where are you going from yeah, there? Too. Exactly. Like most shop owners have some sort of a vision, like what's my shop going to look like in five years? Start at the beginning, you know, not all the way back, but like, how do you make investment? It's not a show about me. It's about, it's a show about Nick, but yeah, I'll be happy to share that. It's kind of connected. It is connected. So you have definitely have to have a vision for your shop. And we knew based on the industries we were serving that we needed to really ramp up. And we are ramping up right now with regards to, well, first our facility is going right. to be well suited to accommodate. It's going to dovetail what a first class aerospace machine shop looks like. Sure. And then we have to backfill that with machinery equipment and skill sets in the shop to do that. To talk to so, talk and walk the walk too. And right? walk the walk. <laughs> yep. I mean, we just, you know, we recently went to AS, we've got ITAR, we've CMMC compliant, which is another new thing that we're going to talk about or in the future on the show. Yeah. So I'm not a pro shop user. No, you're not. They're a great sponsor of ours. And we hear a lot about pro shop from you, Jim. And one thing that's kind of surprising to me in in a really good way for them is as I travel, I spend about a third of my life on the road. As I travel, this year I've had like three or four different companies that are all either using ProShop and have amazing things to say about it. Or they're like one time I walked in and they were telling me, yeah, that's ProShop on the screen, but we're just like analyzing which ERP we were going to search. They're blowing up, Nick. (laughs) I mean, seriously, I know. I mean, just from talking to Paul, he's a busy man and you're just hearing about him everywhere. I was like, look, I don't use ProShop but everyone I know who does absolutely loves it. So, But in all seriousness, you're going into these shops across America yeah. and you see it on their yeah. screen and you're like, oh my God, yeah. This- I've seen that before. And I'm like, is that pro shop? They're like, yeah. yeah. And one of them was just a, right on the fence about to pull the trigger. You know, maybe Paul should run for president in 2024. <laughs> you would have my vote, man. So go to proshoperp.com for more information. Yep. We are looking at other machine tool brands now. So you're mostly so started we, like a milling shop, like we 3X is milling, right? Fidel's. I grew up on a Fidel. I could run that thing like there was no tomorrow. Yeah. I could enter in all those GNM codes. You know, we didn't have, well, we had Mastercam, but most of the time I was just looking at the print X10Y negative half 
G81, you know, RO plane, Z minus 10,000s, whatever. It's been a long time since I've done programming. But yes, we've come a long way with that regard. But I think what you need to do if you're going to evolve your machine shop is you have to first have that vision. See what you want to look like. Imagine what that looks like in your head. And then all you got to do is make it happen. You know, you've got to get the facility. You've got to implement the technologies, accreditations, and and grow with your and train, capabilities, and right? And your employees, exactly, because um, you can buy all the fancy equipment and yeah, just there's nobody like, there to run I don't them. Know how no to support, do it. exactly. We do have a CMM now, but we didn't as of you know last year. We didn't. All we had was like a Keyence visual reader. Now we have a CMM, and we're going to get another one. But see, it's been fun for me. Like I don't know if you realize what it's like on my end, but I was the there evolution. like when you got your first horizontal. Yeah, remember? that's true. And then I was there after that when you got your first five axis. Yeah. And then now it's just kind of like, okay, what's next? It's, and it's going did, very did quickly. Did you ever get, you got a lathe, right? We have a Haas ST20Y. What's the vision for the future? It's definitely going to, we're definitely going to represent the brand and the industries that we're serving. And that's why I ask you, Nick, Methods has a machine tool for every aspect. From the entry level, the emerging leader is just entering the CNC market and starting his own shop to a veteran shop, 20, 30, 40, 50 years that is doing high tech parts for Blue Origin or the spaceship company or Boeing, any any of the major, like crazy medical stuff you see a lot of. Yeah. I'm I'm not that familiar with the crazy medical stuff. I, I think it's pretty crazy what we're doing now, but it's really interesting and it Obviously, it's been successful because you guys are growing. You're you're moving soon. You want to get into that a little bit about how you're moving and the reasons why you feel the move is important. Our uh, local office out here just moved into a, a facility in Gilberts that's actually like three times the size of what it was before, so that we can better serve everybody. I mean, it's we went from being able to show a couple of machines and having normal office space, you know, full service service application, sales support to now we're able to actually build machines and outfit machines out of that location and store more components right on site so that we can be that much faster. And, and that's part of what I like about doing what we do because it is, it's disruptive innovation, right? Everybody expects that you're buying this machine and it's just going to be this good and it's just going to take this long to get everything up and running and I'm going to have to wait to talk to an applications guy if I have a problem. And where Methods is really pushing the envelope and trying to keep that pace so that our customers can run at a faster pace is delivering all of that faster, delivering it all better, having things on site, having people at your disposal. A local office isn't just so we can have material on site. It's so that we can have somebody go see our customer and be like, hey, let's get in front of that problem. Let me look at it. Right. You know, in the world of Zoom calls and and all that fun stuff. You can't solve a problem with somebody getting chatter on a part nope. or you know, through a Zoom. Yeah, it's right. just not feasible. So right. that's why we recognize the need for growth and that office is doing very, very well. I mean, naturally, if you're doing well, you're going to get bigger anyway, but we didn't want to get bigger just to get bigger. Well, there's no substitute for being with other people Absolutely. face-to-face, yep. especially in a shop. We only record in person. We flew you in here for this episode. Yeah, so. exactly. Think about the industry as a whole, right? It's always been about being there in person. Years ago, you know, working with my uncle and my grandfather, designing a tool for whatever it was, you didn't do it over the phone. You went and saw the part. You wanted to see the problem firsthand. And then your customer came to your shop to see the progress of how it's going, to make adjustments or just get face-to-face with the guys that are actually building it. Unfortunately, we kind of 
hit pause on that last year with everything going on. And this office being able to be that much bigger is just going to serve our customers that much better. Yeah. You know, How many different home. offices does Methods have across the country? Eight. Eight different Eight. offices. Yep. So it's a it's a sizable company, right? Yeah. And then you've got distributors as well, too. Yeah, we so. do. We have just about the same number of, of key distributors all over North America, Canada and Mexico. You work for the headquarters, right? Yes. Yep. So what does your what do your leaders because I'm sure you're somewhat involved and engaged with the leadership team at Methods, yep. the over you know, the high end executive right? C suite or whatever. Yeah. You talked about strategy before and I think that is really important to to talk about strategy and what the future is. What does your leadership team at Methods think the future looks like? Because everyone's on fire right now. Mm-hmm. There's no question. I don't think anybody I know that's not busy. How are you preparing for it as a machine tool OEM and distributor? You're kind of like a hybrid company. You, yeah, you do, for sure. You, you do your own. I want to hear about what the leaders at your company are talking about now today about strategy. Yeah, let's for the get future. behind the scenes of your of your war room meeting. Everyone's always wants to look into the crystal ball to say, you know, is it, should I invest in capital equipment today, or do we want to wait, or you know, are we going to go into recession by the fourth quarter? We basically plan for a win, right? I mean, we figured if there's a, there are enough things in the market from last year, like you said, you were busy. So you saw things happening. We recognized that. We looked at the numbers. We looked at the history of when the industry does things like this. Nobody's ever seen it before. So there's some certainly some educated guesses. It's just so encouraging to see that we put the right people in the right positions to make intelligent decisions with their experience, but also the people that have been at Methods forever. Like I said, there's people that have been 30 plus years. So we took all of that knowledge and experience and said, okay, so we had this thing in 2020, this pandemic, right? But we're going to come out of it because things are still needed. Materials are still needed. Medical, Department of Defense, firearms, whatever. It's like, all I mean, be everybody's there. busy right now. So exactly. you guys were right on that bet. So we basically just really ramped up what we were going to do to have things in stock, be fast, be the fastest OEM supplier in our market, in our industry. That's essentially the goal from a high level. That's the consistent thing you hear, you know, when you go visit them, speed, speed, speed. Here's what you need. And it it can be in your shop days quicker than anybody else. So if I needed a a three axis or a five axis CNC machine, you could have it in my shop in days. Absolutely. With options there right at the same time. So where, so where that's you, how we know each other. So you talk about yes. options. Because yep. I saw your face, Jim. You were like, yeah, right. How does that happen? How do you do that in days? So talk about like kind of how we're working together to make sure you can create that offer for your customer. So to answer his question, we, we have our own warehouse space in Massachusetts okay. and in multiple locations throughout the U.S. So okay. we talked about Gilbert's location. Yep. We can actually store machines there. Okay. For key accounts, we can have things ready, machines and options ready to go. That's how I met the and guys And they're customizable. Hennig. So if I want a thousand PSI through the spindle coolant, yep. you could customize Jim, it. that's all day, every day. That's yeah. easy. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, what if you wanted an 18,000 RPM spindle on it? We can do that. Okay. Okay. But that's the flexibility that we offer, right? Methods has been doing the custom things, right? However, Jim needs it for, okay. for very many years. Sure. We haven't gone away from that. We still need to be able to serve our customers and have those slightly outside the box scenarios happen. But we stock machines, we stock options so that we can have you up and running as quickly as possible. And that's why we started working with Hennig a couple of years back because we said, okay, we're really good at outfitting a machine to whatever our customer needs, but we don't need to be the expert on coolant and chip management. So we started looking at different 
companies and Hennig was the obvious choice because they're very good at what they do. We started talking, we said, okay, well, our goal is to be faster. We've had issues with communication in the past. How are you guys gonna handle it? They answered the questions very well. We got to meet people, we could see the passion was there. We could see the longevity in the people that have been there as well. And that's what we've done is we've been very, very open with our communication to Hennig and saying, here's what machines we have. Here's the ones that are high turning. Here's what we need you to have ready to go at any time. So methods will stock components. Our partners like Hennig will stock components so that we can do that. When you call or any customer calls and says, I just got this PO, I didn't see it coming. I need this spindle, these ancillary options, and I need it up and running right away so I can hit my deadline. I need 1,000 PSA, I need glass scales, I need 18,000 RPM, and I need travel of 40 by 20. All run-of-the-mill stuff, probing. What are the things you can't do in that short amount of time? Uh, well, custom fixtures. <laughs> well, we just got yes. done talking about custom, that. Custom fixtures, right? That sounds like a differentiator to me. Yeah, I mean, we like to think I mean, so. Well, I, I don't know many other people that can do that well, and respond that We just had a meeting. Like, it's hard to create an offer like that. So we just got done talking about, okay, so we provide these kind of conveyor configurations, chip conveyors and filtration configurations for the RoboDrill, for example, and, and these other brands. He's got some forecasting knowledge. Like, I, we sell this many. We've got this many on order from Asia. So we're, like, trying to get way ahead of it. So right after this podcast, we're going to walk across the street and start talking about storage. So if you don't plan ahead, you could never create an offer like that. And that's why we value them too, because we're all about speed. We had my brother on. He's part of the quick response manufacturing. Yep. He's doing a great job with that. And yeah. So he's all about like, okay, how do we win with speed? And they're like, all right, we want to win with speed. So the key is to like plan way ahead so that when the time comes that Jim needs something and, and you're maybe looking at two, three different brands, but one of them can have the full solution with all the options in your shop in five days. And that's the difference between you being able to like fulfill an order or not. Like, okay, you're right. That is a differentiator. And to me, a product manager has to understand the life cycle of his customers. The life cycle of a customer has completely changed over the last 20 years. It used to be very loyal. People would stay in those roles purchasing or a procurement for decades now they're switching in and out every two or three years and you got to, you know, make new friends or whatever the case may be. Right. You got to create business well, people relationships. People do more research. It's, it's more competitive. Oh, absolutely. Right? It's definitely it's, more. Honestly, for me, the biggest parallel I can draw in my previous experience was the car industry, right? You would go online and look for a car and read all the specs. There are a lot of shop owners that are doing that now. Right. Oh, right. They're, they're saying, hey, I looked on your website and I saw this machine. I'm comparing it to this. Give me some more specifications. I'm going to make a decision based on that. How do you inject yourself into a relationship to be able to show that customer the difference. It's a very, very different dynamic from a product manager standpoint to, well, you said 20 years ago's relationship. You saw the same person. You walked in day after day, year after year, that same purchaser was there. Always. It's That's not a really same. good parallel because, I mean, where, where's the future of buying machine tools headed? I know how I buy cars, right? right. I put a bunch of filters together. How, well, how do you buy houses? Yeah. You go it's online and you very look. Very true. Right. Yep. You put yep. your filters in. I want this many bedrooms or this kind of I engine. I want a pool and I want a basement. Car. I want air conditioning. I want a half acre. Yeah. And so his job, I'm not trying to tell you what your job is, but I know you pretty well, is to get ahead of what, what are those filters that a shop like car would select a machine based on. I can get it this fast. It has this options. It performs at this level. And then the other thing that's way different from maybe 20 years ago is people are growing, right? We're busy. But And they can buy machines and the technical resources are all there to help the shop grow. 
but the people. Like, uh, it's that's, that's so, another big thing. so hard. Like the fact that people can't find a good machinist is limiting their growth. And so what do machine builders do? They start thinking, all right, well. Automation. Yeah, bingo. Exactly. Well, that's funny you say that because years ago, automation was for some of the longest standing shops. Automation was like, man, don't even talk to me about automation. I have these guys. I am not going to replace them with a robot. Totally respect that. And we found a way to create that nice balance so somebody didn't feel like we were replacing them. Right. Now the phone call is, I need you to automate everything in my CNC machine. I visited a shop in Ohio and the guy's like, I need automation. I said, okay, what are we talking about for automation in your horizontals? I want to inspect the parts in the machine. And to him, that was like a revolutionary thing. And methods were like, well, how many different ways do you want to do How that? are you doing that with the probe? Yeah, yeah. exactly. We, yeah. Can, we can do it right in the machine. Yeah. Before it goes on to the next cut, next tool, check it out. It's a very interesting dynamic that unfortunately there's just not a lot of workforce out there. Our automation group and what we're, we're trying to create is more standard automation things where it may feel custom to a customer, but to us it's something we've done before because it's a plug and play. It's modular. I have 10 of these uh, robot enclosures in stock. You tell me how you want to handle the parts. Conveyors, Lazy Susan, optical to see how many parts are they just jumbled in a box. But that same enclosure, that same robot with that same high pressure and probes, it's all in stock. Yeah, so we, we can we just, just at the frank it out. We were just at the same you were at last week at Fusion. Did you go to Fusion? Yeah. Oh. Uh, my team did because we were oh. working on kind of a, so they don't want to get involved in the work holding, right? A lot of these robotics integrators, they don't want to get involved in the work holding. They were like, well, can you guys handle that? And we're going to start to build some like canned, still a little bit custom, but it's more of an off the shelf solution. And that's what you're describing. And I'm seeing that. I'm seeing a lot of builders headed towards, You've got your machine and then you've got this like add on with all these different pallets. It knows, grab this one, do that, grab that one, do that, grab that one, do that. And they're trying to, to make it like run without someone having to run it. <laughs> well, the whole thing is if you can run lights out, exactly. you're well oh, ahead yeah. of the game. No so, need for a second shift. It's just let the machine and the robot right, do it. That's our mission right now is to try and create bigger palletized setups where all we need to do is get those into the machine and just let it run. Right. Right. That, that's what I was digging for when I said, yes. what does your shop look like okay. three years from now? It looks like oh, Jim Carr's making money it. while he's asleep. <laughs> well, well, we're gonna, that's the, that's the goal, right? right. That's, that's why I'm in business and taking risk. Yeah. Because right. I, and I think the reward outweighs the risk. I apologize for not answering. No, 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 no. But no, you automation did. is going to be huge. It was cool year. how you answered it because you you ended up answering it naturally. And I saw you just kind of looking out like, yeah, that's really where we want to go. Yeah. You know? It's like, yeah. We have to. I don't think there's a choice. Exactly. So automation is where it's at. Yeah, for sure. And varying degrees, right? Automation isn't simply a robot every time doing something, picking it up and whatever. There's so many different variations of that. So for us, that's a big animal to try to figure out. When somebody says, hey, I want to add automation, it's like, okay, well, I'm going to ask you a whole series of questions. Don't be offended by any of these, no. but what does that mean to you? Right. Right. Is it simply checking a part in a machine before the next cycle happens? Or is it something loading these bucket of parts that your guys dump off and don't have to think about? I think that's probably the best way to describe it for people that are unsure about getting into automation. The way for me to look at that or try to explain it to somebody is let your people that are with you now, right? They're still with you after all of this time. They're probably very talented, very loyal. Give them something that challenges them. Give them something that they have to think and work for. 
and let the robot do the dumb stuff, for lack of a right. better way to describe it. The mundane stuff, the labor part. Yeah, right. I mean, you're in all fairness, you could be cutting down on insurance costs, right? Because somebody's picking something up really heavy day after day. You don't want somebody doing that. The people that are with you now for shops, those are the people that you need to stick with. Well, let's go back to you like value. why you even applied to methods in the first place. You were doing a very boring, redundant exactly. job yep. that probably should have been replaced by some robot yeah, or something. Absolutely. And so I, I, you know, we had Steve Schubert, our COO at Advanced Machine Engineering. He, we had him on the show and he was telling me about a review he gave one of our best guys in the shop. And he's like, look, you're great at what you do. And you kind of run this whole department. Mm-hmm. But like two years from now, I don't want you to be like still great at just running that department. What are you going to learn that you don't know now? How are you going to get us into more absolutely. five axis stuff or whatever it might be? That's kind of what motivates people. You want to feel like you're playing a, a video game in your life and you're always trying to level up. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Absolutely and if, right. And if you create a shop that doesn't challenge people, you're done. It doesn't matter how many POs you get. It, it's going to fade away because the quality goes away. The consistency goes away. If somebody's passionate about what they do. You can't stop them. You just enhance them. That's all you need to do. So I got one more thing for Nick. One thing I'm trying to do is create more product managers at our company. We, we had like head of our business units as kind of national sales manager. And, you know, I hear you talking, you get involved with sales, but you're not really a sales manager. One thing that I want to get to is to where like every one of our business units, whether it's conveyors and filtration or work holding or whatever it is, we got like seven business units at the company. I want there to be a roadmap for like where we're headed and why. And when I heard this conversation between Jim and Nick, and it's like, you seem to understand, like, I've heard enough people dream about what they want their shop to be like, that I can kind of reverse engineer our value proposition to fit guys like that so that they want to buy our product. So most of your leaders didn't really come from machine tool. They're like so tech guys, right? Some did. Our VP of operations is like born and bred in a machine shop. Sure. Wire sure, okay. EDM. I mean. Oh, he's a wire guy. Oh, yeah. Like, you don't even mention it around him. Otherwise, it's going to be a story. I'm talking about like Sonia, your CEO is kind of from a tech company or something like that. But their experience is on product growth and sales, right? So what, what we kind of did, and I can't speak to what other people do, our competition, we don't really care about them. Um, but we, what we did is we said, okay, let's take a more hard focused look on our product and take it from birth to death. Meaning is what you're offering right now the latest and greatest, or should it be phased out? Have you considered the next thing for this machine tool, right? Are you staying ahead of the curve? And, and that's really where we're focusing is for a product manager now, our role is very much, let's get out in the field, let's talk to people like Jim, shop owners and say, where do you wanna be in three years? What does that look like? In the back of my head, I'm going, okay, so he said this, that means this product could work or I don't have it yet. So I, I've heard it 16 times. So I got to get something in the works with our builder partner. That's really what it is, is it's a hard, hard focus on the product line itself, making sure that it's constantly moving forward, not stagnant. Do you have the latest and greatest tools and features in it? That's one thing I related it to buying a car. So that's like checking something on a spec sheet, but is your product truly growing? Is it truly doing something different from anybody else, right? Disruptive innovation. We went into the commodity market and said, that's nice. Everybody's got that spec. Check this out. And here's why it makes a difference for somebody like Jim. What are we doing to be pushing that envelope constantly? So is that hard with a, cause you're, you're not a small company. So you got to communicate where you're headed. Yeah. You actually have like a roadmap document Absolutely. that you use. So yeah. you have it's like a monthly. real roadmap. Oh, and it's revised monthly. It's updated, revised, however you want to spin it. Okay. But it's the same thing. 
But what we do is every single month we communicate out to every single department head exactly where every product and every option stands. When is it being released? When is it phasing out? What's the change? Why the change? So that everybody is on the same page. So we're constantly marching in the same direction. Speed, speed, speed. Speed has a direct correlation to communication. I can say I can keep up with them, but if I don't understand what my customer needs, then we're you going gotta, you nowhere. You understand what they need. Yeah, for me, Absolutely. that was the biggest takeaway from my visit was just the focus on speed. Speaking of speed, we better wrap this up, Jim. What do we say to end every show? It's something like, uh, we usually say something kind of clever and then we finish <laughs> with our tagline. So how about this? Without great machine tools, you're not making chips. And if you're not making chips, you're not making money. Bam. Bam. Metalworking Nation, listen up. Manufacturing is challenging. You need to think differently. The day-to-day whirlwind of urgencies, the pressure to grow, customer demands, workforce development, new machine tools and robots, the list goes on and on. It is possible to stay ahead of the game of manufacturing, but you can't do it alone. We're here to give you access to exclusive content from other leaders, as well as videos, blogs, show notes, and more resources designed to equip and inspire you on making chips. 